In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you felt a godly grief, so that you were not harmed in any way by us. Godly grief. That's a phrase to memorize, to post on Instagram, uh, to tattoo on your leg, if you wish. These two words of St. Paul brilliantly captures the spiritual growing pains that all Christians feel as they mature into the love of God. What are the occasions for godly grief? Well, for Paul, it was division in the church family. For you, it may be division in your own family. It may be a wayward child. It may be a parent with sudden dementia. It may be a world full of division and pandemic and isolation. Godly grief can be anything that brings you face to face with the ways you fall short of God and others and the ways that others and God fall short of you. It is grief, but it's godly grief in so much as we offer it to God and thereby we grow in love and trust for him. Now the Armenian church holds deep wisdom about godly grief. Medieval theologian Grigor Datevatsi, he provides this beautiful proverb on godly grief. He says, great is the distance from heaven and earth, between heaven and earth, while short is the distance for tears to come down the eyes, down the face. Yet this short journey of tears conquers the great distance to heaven. Godly grief contains a mysterious power to propel us closer to God and God to us and to each other in his love. So that's beautiful theology, and it is beautiful. But how does godly grief work practically? Are there five steps? Is there a booklet? Is there a podcast? There isn't yet, because we're more in the land of sacramental than logical. Godly grief is not one size fit all because your sins and your grief are your own and between you and God. That being said, again Gregory of Datev gives us a loose method to godly grief, sort of a 14th century life hack, if you will. Datev said there's three kinds of godly tears that lead to spiritual growth. The first, for our sins, which is repentance. The second, for our friend, which is mercy and virtue. And the third, for the kingdom, which is sanctification, blessedness. Now this is not a recipe. You don't always follow it in order. You don't bake this for 40 minutes, more like 40 years, over your whole lifetime. Nonetheless, let's scratch the surface today of how these three movements of godly grief might bring us back to ourselves, each other, and to God. 
So Dante's first movement is this grief for our sins, which is simply being honest with ourselves about how far we fall short of who we're called to be. This is a full-time job, by the way. Another Armenian spiritual great, Nerses Shnorhali, you know, has, I confess in faith, Havatol Chostovanim. It's a prayer with 24 stanzas, one for each hour of the day, and every single one of them ends, have mercy on your creation and upon me, a great sinner. If once an hour is too much for you, let's start with our Sunday confession. As every prayer in this church, it only works if you make the ritual words your own. Always try to read yourself into our group confession. Here's a try at that. Lord, I have sinned against every one of your teachings. I don't follow the positive ones. I don't love my enemies. I struggle to love my family. I don't want to get angry at the kids, lust after women, or care so much about my appearance, but I can't help it. And my pain is self-chosen. I can't fix it. I call myself a Christian, but I don't really act like one. Vines, vines, vines. That last part goes beyond words, and it's where traditionally penitents would beat their breast and cry, literally cry, tears of repentance. So this, then, is the first movement of grief which leads to God, tears for our sins, which is repentance. The second movement is tears for a friend, and they follow each other. It's an accepted truth that you can't love someone else well if you don't love yourself well. And now in our self-glorifying society, repentance might seem like self-hate when actually it's self-love. Because when we confess, we acknowledge that God loves us as we are, sins and all. And that's also the only way really to love others well, warts and all, with mercy rather than judgment. And the more empathy we build for our own sins, we grow in empathy for those struggling around us. The person who is lost in addiction, the refugee in Armenia, the impoverished in Haiti. Godly grief calls us to look with love on the pain and sin of others, even as God looks with love upon ours. Tears of mercy for others, for a friend, is the second movement of grief which leads to God. And the final movement of godly grief is what Datev calls tears for the kingdom, which is blessedness. Indeed, Datev had the audacity to call godly tears a blessing. He was, of course, following the world-shattering beatitude of our Lord, who said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We have a way of casting off this blessing on those who mourn into the distant future. Paul said, I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory which is about to be revealed to us. This is true. In God's kingdom, our tears of sorrow will become tears of joy. 
But the blessing of godly grief is not just for the future, it's also for right now. Godly grief helps us better love ourselves and love each other and love God. We can't see why grief is needed for growth in this world, but we can see all around us how godly grief brings us closer to him and to his creation. There are some things that can only be seen through eyes which have cried. Bishop Oscar Romero said that of the Catholic Church. May we, the faithful of the Armenian Church, we who have seen our share of suffering, always be blessed by offering up our grief to God and thus becoming a blessing and a comfort for all those who mourn now and always and unto the ages of ages. Amen.